and he said, do you really want to keep working here? Do you want to step out in faith and start following Christ, uh, the calling on your life? And first thought that came to my mind was like, my father will kill me. He invested so much money in this career. And, but then I really sensed that this was not like Blake talking. God was really pressing on my heart to follow my passion and calling. Welcome to the AsiaLink podcast. I'm your host, Jim Gourlay, and we're delighted you've taken time to find out about Asia and the mission of God to reach all the nations. AsiaLink exists to reach the unreached of Asia with the gospel of Christ. We do this by supporting, training, and encouraging Asian believers to share the powerful gospel of Jesus within their own cultures. This is episode six. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our partner in Iraq, and again, we've protected his identity for security reasons. He tells us how he was called to minister there and how someone had a formative influence on him. Later on, we'll be hearing from Stephen in our Northern Ireland office about History Makers Tour, which is going on the road this autumn. Great. So te- why don't you tell me how you came to faith in Jesus? I'd love to know. Yeah, so I grew up in a, a family that's... Uh, ex- Extended family is Coptic Orthodox. My immediate family were Evangelical Wesleyan uh, in the Free Methodist tradition. So I grew up taught by a a godly mother uh, to follow God and be in the word from a young age. Uh, I remember, I think we've always been to church. We've always been to summer camps uh, every summer. And, And when I was 12 years old, that's when I made the decision to start following Jesus wholeheartedly and give my life to Christ. And God has blessed me with a youth pastor who really believed in me, believed in the mission, believed in disciple uh, making. And uh, it was the first person in my life to give me a personal Bible to have. I've always read in our family Bible, but that's when I turned 12 years old and came to faith in this summer camp. I received my own Bible and I started uh, studying the word and uh, even started volunteering at the church and serving with the kids ministry and then with the junior high. And when I was in college, uh, I sensed a strong calling to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, especially with majority people and with uh, my uh, colleagues and friends but also started traveling and doing some ministry in villages around Egypt uh, where uh, we basically did house church uh, sharing in different houses and coming to uh, realizing the reality of serving or trying to minister in a majority Muslim country where uh, it can be dangerous to share the good news. It can be, you can get persecuted for your faith and, trying to work with the dynamics of uh, seeing persecution face-to-face. 2013, we had a a huge uh, wave of persecution because of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. And one of the villages I was serving in, several churches were burned down. Dozens of homes were completely burned down and destroyed by Muslim fanatics. So that was also a new dynamics for me in the ministry. But I was working as a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist by trade and was also sharing the the gospel with my customers in the pharmacy. And God really called me in the pharmacy, in the workplace. One day I had an American guy walks in into the pharmacy where I worked in Cairo, in the capital of Egypt. 
And I have never had encounters or conversations with an American uh, before. All my knowledge about Americans were from Hollywood movies. <laughs> so when I saw him, I thought, wow, that's a cowboy. He, he looked like a military guy. He wore khaki pants and, and he was fit. And I thought, this guy needs Jesus. He must have a gun tucked in his shirt and he must be sleeping around with different women and drinking and he needs Jesus. So I, I, off the bat, I just started right away sharing with him about Jesus in the pharmacy. And actually he listened, he listened. And for 20 minutes, I shared my face. I shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And after I finished, he said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I was like, what? Are you a Christian? Why waste my time then? <laughs> he, said, he said, I am I'm really excited to meet an Egyptian young man who is proud uh, about his face, who's bold to share the good news. And in your workplace, he saw that I have had like Bibles and tracts and CDs. And back then it was cassette tapes. I, I always kept a stash where I, I shared different literature from the scriptures with my customers and this developed into a friendship actually and uh, this guy kept coming back and he turned out to be he, he's a missionary himself he came to egypt to share the good news to to do, develop leaders and to plan to reproducing house churches and so uh he was my first contact with impact middle east and uh he then introduced me to the founder and uh, the chairman of uh, IME, that's uh, Blakewood. He became a, a father figure in my life and uh, a mentor. And every uh, Tuesday we met uh, at the pharmacy where I worked when it's 3 p.m. where it's so hot on the street, no customers would come during this hour. And he would uh, just um, study the word with me, disciple me. And about a year later, he challenged me and he said, Hanny, I am sensing this very clear calling on your life to make disciples, to share the good news, and to just uh, proclaim Christ. And he said, do you really want to keep working here? Yes, it's, it's a good career, and uh, you have a financial cushion, but do you want to step out in faith and start following Christ, uh, the calling on your life? And first thought that came to my mind was like, my father will kill me. He invested so much money in this career, and in pharmacy school, it's expensive. But then I really sensed that uh, this was not, like Blake talking, God was really pressing on my heart to follow my uh, passion and calling. So I actually took about uh, one month of just praying and fasting and discerning and talking to some people who I respected their mentoring voices in my life. And uh, in 2009, I made the decision to quit my pharmacy career and then fully pursued my calling to serve the Lord uh, in Egypt. I led a church planting team and developed the leaders. Uh, so I started with two guys and then God really blessed the work, multiplied the work. In 2014, my team had over 60 people uh, working between uh, full-time, part-time and volunteers and planted about 60 house churches back then. Now this team... Um, has multiplied over 4,400 house churches in one network uh, all over Egypt. And in 2014, I, I delegated the responsibilities and 
I moved to the U.S. to do my master's degree where I lived in Seattle. And in Seattle, Washington, I studied theology and started going and visiting Iraq, uh, the country where I'm living now, and was my first encounter in Iraq to see the refugee crisis and to see literally millions of people displaced who lost their homes or lost everything and just the dire need for help and for hope. And I think the first thing that came like to me was striking was hopelessness. People who lost everything uh, among Syrians or among Iraqis themselves who in Mosul because of ISIS lost everything I, I started sensing this cry, come to us and help, come, come and help us. How did you get from Seattle to Iraq? So when I moved to America, uh, one of the motivations for me was right across the street from the seminary where I studied was a church led by my mentor. And I really felt I need more coaching. I need more mentoring and shadowing him to sharpen my skills in the ministry, but also he had a vibrant ministry to international students. So that was the attraction for me because I basically worked with Saudi students, uh, uh, Kuwaiti, Iraqi, Arabs, uh, Muslims who lived in Seattle and were studying. You've got the gospel and you've got Arabic. What an opportunity. Exactly. And uh, it, was, it was actually amazing to see... Um, some of the Saudi students, I was the very first Christian they meet in their lives. And uh, the church I served in was the very first church they ever stepped foot in. I oh, mean, yes. Saudi Arabia, there is no churches, at least official churches there. One thing that was so exciting to me when you talk about Saudis, we used to live in, my wife and I lived in a university city, not now. And I started to get involved like, in international ministry like this. And, and I remember one day got talking to these Saudi guys, right? Four of them. And I'm having this conversation and we're having a bit of back and forth, you know, Jesus, is he just, is he a son of all this, you know, this sort of thing. And I'm suddenly thinking, these guys, these Saudi guys, they're never going to hear the gospel in Saudi Arabia. They've never met a Christian before who can at least talk to them and, and, and engage a little bit on these things. What an opportunity. And I don't even speak Arabic, you know, <laughs> these guys learning, they learned English, they've come here. Anyway, it's just so exciting to me. But anyway, it's incredible uh, because honestly, when when you talk to Arabs and Muslims who are in the diaspora, it's um, much safer and easier for them to navigate uh, faith questions and spiritual conversations. And so, uh, almost weekly, we would gather over dinner, and we would be ten students or twelve uh, Muslim students, and we would just meet and talk theology, talk about Jesus, talk about the Bible, talk about church. And out of this, a Saudi student joined the community and, uh, and uh, we actually baptized over 17 Iranian uh, Muslims. And that led to a church plant actually out of Seattle uh, in an area called Kent, Washington. And uh, this, there's a church now that has over 70 Iranian brothers and sisters, out of this international student ministry. And when I went to Kurdistan in 2016, uh, something happened in my life that I have never experienced before. And that was at night, I would have visions and dreams. And I would dream of Jesus calling me to serve in Iraq. Or I would dream of being in Iraq and I'm, I'm speaking in a refugee camp. And 
over and over, I literally had a series of dreams uh, nonstop every single night. And I, I was really uh, befuddled about this. I've never had dreams like this. And I started journaling and talking to people who I respect their opinion. And they said, clearly God wants to communicate something to you. And I, there is something in the spiritual world that God wants to uh, communicate with you. So I spent a month in Iraq in 2016, and I went back to Seattle to finish my degree. And the dreams continued. And that was the, the, the crazy part for me, is that I was in Seattle dreaming about Iraq at night. I would go to sleep, and I would dream of uh, being on the streets in Iraq. I, I would be or dream of being at Walmart in America, but I am paying an Iraqi money. And the cashier is asking about this money and I'm having a conversation in my dreams. And I really started th like this has never happened to me in my life. And so I started just uh, talking to my mentor about this. And he said, what, what, what do you think God wants to communicate to you? And I said, I think God is calling me back to Iraq. Now, that was scary because my family was terrified by the thought. They, they had no problem of me living in Seattle and enjoying the Northwest in America and the beautiful hikes and all that. But Iraq was really a scary thought. And the more I prayed about it, the more I fasted about it. And the more I did short-term trips, uh, the more I, I really came to a realization that, yeah, God is calling me to live in Iraq, not just to go and visit. So I actually did eight short-term trips. Uh, some of them were as long as a month, and I started preparing and dreaming uh, about living there long term. And in 2018, I made the move to uh, move to Iraq. And I started a ministry center called the Noor, the Noor Center under Impact Middle East. And it's basically um, an outreach ministry among refugees trying to uh, do holistic ministry. So serving the physical needs, the emotional needs, and the spiritual needs of uh, refugees. And one of the things that um, I saw God was breaking my heart to cry for and to do something about was the trauma, some of the Yazidi ISIS survivors. So these are uh, young women who were captured and kept by ISIS as sex slaves. They were sold by militia fighters as commodity and uh, tra trafficked as sex slaves and God was breaking my heart to do something about it, to cry and to be a voice to this voiceless community. And uh, actually, God helped us as Impact Middle East to raise awareness and to raise funding and to uh, do projects among these women. Uh, we've served over 200 sex slaves and uh, helped lots of them to start uh, a journey of healing and wholeness also help them uh, start small businesses where they can earn a living uh, through different occupational trainings, but also uh, provided lots of courses, like uh, lots of them were illiterate. So we did illiteracy classes, taught them Arabic and taught them English computer skills so that they can find jobs uh, and be employable. Uh, but through this, it was incredible to see that these people finally found a community that cares.
So we've got uh, Stephen with us now. It's good to see you, Stephen. Thanks for coming along. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, and you're going to be telling us about the History Makers Tour that's coming on. What's that all about? Well, uh, it's we're really looking forward to it. Uh, we're, we've planned four different events that are going to be happening across the UK and Ireland, and hopefully one's happening near you. Um, each of the events are called Inspired, and the same event is going to be happening across the UK and Ireland. Uh, and really, the, the aim of these nights is to gather young people, young adults together, and explain a little bit about what God's doing in Asia and hopefully inspire them um, to, to get involved and be a part of what God's doing in Asia. Um, so four events happening across the UK and Ireland and across October, and um, we're just really looking forward to it. That, sound, that sounds great. And, and uh, you say young people, uh, so we've got secondary age and upwards. Yeah, so um, secondary, secondary school ages, um, if you're a kind of university stage, that, that, it's for you too. And if you're a young adult, kind of early, mid-20s-ish, um, don't want to put a, a hard line on that, but that it's, it's for all you, it's for all that kind of age group. And it'll be it'll be really suitable and it'll be hopefully really interesting and engaging. And there'll be some talks, videos, and some kind of cultural experiences as well. So you'll maybe get a bit of a different understanding of Asia and what it's like. And but but overall, we just hope that God really uses these events to inspire hearts for mission. So if anybody's listening who's a youth group leader or knows some young people in the church or is a young person themselves. Um, how do they go about registering for one of these events? So the, the way to do that, to get all the information that you need about the events and to register for a ticket for free, um, you, you just go to the History Makers website, um, historymakers.info slash inspired, and you'll find the, the details of where the events are and um, links to um, Eventbrite where you can register for free. Um, you can register on those through those event bright links up to 10 people so if you're a youth group leader you can bring 10 along and um, that way if you've got more than 10 people um just email me directly and we can sort something out and um, my email address is stephen with a ph at agentlink.org that's stephen at agentlink.org the events uh are are free and they're, they're open to everyone that's kind of in this edge group so hopefully if you're near one of them it'd be great to have you along and um, they're happening across october the, the first one is on october October the 1st, and that's happening in Newbridge in Ireland, County Kildare, and in Newbridge Bible Fellowship Church. The, the next one um, is on the 8th of October, and that's in Ruffham, England, in Bradfield and Ruffham Baptist Church. The third one is happening in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and uh, uh, we're meeting in City Church Belfast on the 13th of October. And the final one is happening in Ayr in Scotland in Riverside Evangelical Church on the 24th of October. So those are the four events we have, one in Ireland, one in England, one in Northern Ireland, and one in Scotland. And um, hopefully if you are nearby, or uh, it'd be great to see you, and um, come along, bring a youth group. Thanks for your time, Stephen. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Asia Link podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share with friends, and join us again next time.